This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Hey everybody, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, and this is uh, one of my favorite formats of the content I do. This is Pod Sessions, episode number 10. Uh, this one's fun. Uh, on a dinner that was done in, was that DC? August. Yeah. In, in DC in August, two of the three wonderful individuals were here. We were kind of shooting the shit. I was getting to know one a little bit better, one completely. It was a format of a conference series I was doing around the country where I was speaking, and then there was a dinner series at night, uh, and they were there. We were jamming, and just kind of like popped in my head, and we were talking about our third individual. I said, you know what? Why don't we just all get together and do a pod sessions? Because I, because I felt, I remember thinking, wow, a lot of this conversation, a lot of what I thought the third individual could bring to the conversation would make tremendous content for the things that I care about, whether it's marketing or actually building an actual business or practicality or siphoning from a career to an entrepreneur, just a, a lot of themes. So I'm super excited about this. I've got a good sense of where I want to take it. Uh, unlike, you know, th- this one's a little more under the radar pod, pod sessions. Uh, Meaning, you know, we've been bringing people with huge audience and things of that nature. Just a little bit more of, you know, individuals that I admire pieces of, and I thought if we put it all together, um, we could really make a nice meal. So I'm excited. Why don't we go around and introduce ourselves, uh, and why don't we start to the left and go into a kind of circled mode here? So how are you, young man? Good. Tell every, tell the Vayner Nation who you are. So uh, my name's Dylan Lazier. I'm from Hagerstown, Maryland. Small town in Maryland. Most of you probably never heard of it before. Uh, just recently moved to New York, and uh, you've heard of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, working for uh, one of your good friends, Aton Sugarman, mm-hmm. uh, managing socials for the Hunt and Fish Club and mm-hmm. for Southern Hospitality. Um, and that's because your background is also in a little bit of that world, right? Yeah. So for like the past two years, until up until I moved to New York, um, I was rebranding and renovating my father's restaurant and bar mm-hmm. back back home in Maryland, and um, Ended up at that dinner with you, and yeah. then things transpired, and uh, just kind of took a leap of faith, and was like, I'm moving to New York and, and take this step, so. Love it, let's keep going. Hey everybody, Rabia Sutton. Uh, what else am I saying? I know, I forgot that fast. Um, I'm originally from DC, uh, moved to Northern Virginia when I was 10, and uh, own a business called Forward Think, selling technology services and products to the government, primarily. How long have you been doing that? Uh, I've had my own company for eight years, but I've been in the field for over 20. Yep. Yep. And how are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. (laughs) Sir? Steve Sheets from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Um, Chairman now of the Sheets Family Council. I've been like bottle boy and dishwasher and helped build this business from one store to 586 stores uh, through the years. And for the people that live in different parts of the world, what are the stores? Good question, yes. Like you, you've probably never seen one. So you I haven't. Uh, so it's a, it's, it's a convenience store. We started out as a, as a dairy store, and then as times changed and people's uh, Needs. Uh, demands for, for food changed, and then we had to add gasoline in the, in, the, in the 70s. When the blue laws went away, we loved the blue laws at uh, Sheets because everybody was closed Sundays except us. So everybody came to Sheets. So it was, a, it was a dairy store with a big deli, and then now we've really... Uh, and why were you able to, the blue laws, because I know them because of the liquor yep. industry, why, why, did, uh, why was Sheets able to be open? Because of the gasoline? 
Well, because we had less than 15 employees at the time at, per store. In other words, and was part, that was that the essence of the blue laws? Yeah. The essence of the blue laws were different in different states. Yeah, but that's what that's I why think in Pennsylvania it was you had to have like less than 10 or 15 employees. So there were no supermarkets, no Walmarts. It was all us. So a Sunday was like five, 10 times normal day because we were the only thing open. We loved it. And then the and blue did you have liquor license too? We don't. Oh, have, that's right. We, Pennsylvania we just, state control. Well, right now right. we just hit a hundred stores with beer. We've been fighting it since I came out of college, 1969. We had three stores, and we pushed for beer. Liquor. Yeah, and we pushed for self-serve gas. We got self-serve Wait a gas. Minute. This is a very important part of the story. Yep. You graduated college, you said, or high Penn school? State, 1969. Right, and that you know, so you graduated college the year the New York Jets won the Super Bowl. <laughs> There you go. January 12th that year, the New York oh, Jets yeah. changed the football landscape forever. I love that. So, Joe Namath, yeah. Joe Namath. So uh, some of my favorite Jets of all time are Penn State alums. Lance Mel, uh, one of my favorite favorites. Anyway, nonetheless, um, so got it. And so you, the, w your parents started it? No, my, well, <laughs> yeah, it's a long story, but we, we came out of the dairy business, uh, my, my grandfather, back yes. in 1907. My father then saw the whole business changing. He opened one store and then five stores during World War II. Then my brother came along, took over one. So 1960, I went to work with him. We had with one With your store. brother. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said, I went to school, actually be a math teacher. You did. Yeah. He said, come with me. We're going to open 10 stores. And so I went with him. That's uh, awesome. We opened 10 and he said, let's open 100. And we opened 100 and he said, I'm going to Florida and he left. Is that, that what happened? That was back in 1983 and, and he's still there. In. We still just send him the checks down there. That's he's right. So you jumped in in 83 to kind of. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. You know, I, I was, mean, you, I was really managing all, but I, I learned that year the difference, the next five years between a manager and a leader, which I really didn't know. But it was going to hit me hard. That was a super interesting segue, right? So yeah. you're in this, this is something that I talk to a lot of kids about transitioning from a doer to a manager and then from a manager to being the last line of defense, right. the leader. You know, here a bunch of kids are listening, a bunch of people are listening, but I have so many young listeners as well. I'm, I'm listening and I'm saying, you were in the business every day for 14 years presumably as minimally the number two, probably closer to the one B. And that even though at that age, on that transition, going from either two or one B to one A, there was a five year learning curve in the way that you put it on making that transition from just that small of a jump perceived, but I know and you know, is actually the biggest jump of them all. That's correct. Yeah. What was the biggest shocking thing from being, how would you consider yourself? Do you consider you were a 1B or do you consider you were the two? Just something out of curiosity, I'm sure it's just semantics. Well, yeah, I would say 1B cool. because I ran all of operations. I yeah. would say so too. So, so what was the biggest shock in that transition? Well, the biggest shock was that I, I thought I was a good manager. Yeah. Actually a great manager, <laughs> yeah. which meant that I, I, I took this cookie cutter that we had developed and opened System. the store. It was, I knew how to hire people. I knew how to, 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 to do the architecture even. I knew yeah, how to super, lay it out. I mean, you Every day, nailed boom, it. To boom, be able boom. to, that's right. right. To create yeah. that kind of factory, to right. open those kind of stores, people, locations, that's a system. Right. But that's, the world around me was changing. But as a manager, I just kept putting this cookie cutter out every day. But the world was changing and I wasn't changing with it. You know, I was managing today's business, but wasn't thinking about tomorrow. where we were headed That's right. tomorrow. 
And we were in that, we had to find our way to make that transition. And by the end of that five years, I finally knew where the hell we were going. And, and where was that? We had to transition. Do you remember? Yeah, we had to go from a, a take-home store where people were making sandwiches, eating at home, to a store where people were eating on the run. It was a grab and go. But now we had 158 stores, and we had to make a transition. We had when you we go did a, the new model you had a, you, yeah. for kids at home. You had to go from being more like a deli mentality Correct. to a 7-Eleven of today mentality. Yeah, and and with better food, hopefully. Yeah. Yes, of course. But absolutely. So, but <laughs> but but, that's exa- but by the way, that's exactly right because you had the advantage of coming from a better food right. place. But we had to talk with customers to find out where we were supposed to go and employees. And then they told us. So now we developed this whole new model in 1988. Now we had one store that fit the vision of where we were headed. Which store was that? That was. Uh, Do you remember? Well, it was the store 158. Store. No, oh, I see what you did. You didn't, you didn't renovate. You made the next we, one. The next one. Uh-huh. It had everything the customers told us they wanted. And how did it do? It did great. But now we had 157. I had to figure out oh, what the hell shit. I was going to do with those. Which is hard. And, and so we really slowed down. It slowed down expansion, to but rel- it, it, made yeah. we, it meant we had to go back and That's reassess weird. every store. That's right. Could they fit that new Did you vision? sell off any stores? Because they we just did. did. Yeah. Very good question. Listen, I'm an operator. We had 15 in Pittsburgh that did not fit where yeah. we're headed. Very difficult to manage. We had 11 restaurants that we had broken off wow. into. Wow. We sold those yeah. and we concentrated on Here is the vision. Impressive. This is where we're headed. Now we've got to determine which stores we can rebuild, totally remodel, understand. relocate, and that was where we were headed. Good for you. And so let's let's piggyback off this theme that we're building on. You made the transition from doing what you do well and you understood for companies yeah. to then doing, so many people listening right now, are in, they like to say they're entrepreneurs. And they say that to me because they're trying to act cool because they think entrepreneurship is cool. And I'm always like, don't worry, being a great employee is a remarkable, Absolutely. like, I, it's really funny. I'm far more associate myself with being self-aware than I do being an entrepreneur. Like, mm-hmm. I would have been pumped to be the number three or number seventeen, or to make forty-seven thousand a year and work forty-one hours a week and have fun doing all the other things. I just want to be happy. Right. What I ended up being was an entrepreneur. So, I'm fascinated by a lot of people who say they're entrepreneurs, and they an entrepreneur talk falls into two things: people who are scared to make the leap into entrepreneurship for a million different reasons. Judgment, yeah, they're cash, they like, they're like their lifestyle and they don't wanna give up some of the luxuries for a year or two. And then other people who are actually not anything close to an entrepreneur, it just makes them feel better being an employee. When, when did you know that, tell me the, tra- give me the whole narrative, because I think you represent something very important to my audience and the world, and it's why I like you, and I know you the most out of this table. We've interacted here and there different like times. You Thank you. What, what did you, from day one, yeah. uh, you know, after you were managing a whole bunch of stuff, and you're like, shit, I don't need anybody else, uh, when, the, when the boss pissed you off, like what was it? <laughs> um, yeah, so my parents were both business owners. Uh, my dad's a veterinarian, he had a clinic my whole life. Yep. My mom owned a children's bookstore um, like from the end of elementary school till high school. Right, so you were, uh, in, you were in it. So I knew, yeah, every you weekend, every, every, you know, Holiday. all summer, yeah, we were Easter with Easter break. We're like, why working. can't we go hang out with our damn friends? Nope, yeah. you're coming with us. So I feel, so I went the trajectory of uh, I'm gonna go to school. And I was I was a average student. I 
never really liked school. The only classes I took to were business classes in high school, which I got an A in and everything else was like, eh, if I get a C, I'm okay. And there wasn't a lot of structure at home in terms of like helping with homework and things like that. So we were kind of like, be self-motivated and I was. So I always had a job. I was, you know, babysitting, selling bracelets and stuff at the county fair and things like that. And then I went to school. I always worked, so retail, you know, temporary work. Um, and when I was a freshman in college, I got a job at a small government contracting firm and started uh, answering phones part-time. Uh, and they liked my work. They were wowed that I managed to like learn the switchboard in an yeah, hour when yeah. it was taking, you know, like you're the, smart. the older women look, look, like days, look, right? Look, I grew up in my dad's liquor store, similar kind of background, yep. you know, this company, like to me always, and I'm sure you remember this, you know, like there's no high for a manager or an owner that's greater than seeing somebody come in at the entry level and be smart. Get it. Because mm -hmm. you start dreaming about their potential, right? You ha you're happy for them. You're like, oh, I, you know, I just remember. I'm like, Shanika. Shanika Williams, I remember at Wine Library, she was smart as shit. I just remember like looking at her one day on the register, I'm like, she won't be there long. You know, and like, yeah. that's fun. Right. So nonetheless, I understand that reaction from them. So by sophomore year, I was taking, I was working full time and taking all my classes at night. And by 21, I was making like $40,000 without my degree yet. And uh, yeah, and the money was good. And um, and this is not yesterday, so 40, I'm just yeah, trying to, this everybody was, I'm, I'm 41, so yeah, this so. is, you know, this is 20 years ago. 40 is 80, just to tell you, so keep going. Right, um, and so I worked my ass off, but most of the companies I worked for, the culture was not where I needed it to be. It didn't match my potential, it didn't match the things I was looking for, and so I never really lasted anywhere more than three years. And right. the you know predominant wisdom still now is like, oh no, you have to work somewhere for a year, two years, three years, five years, whatever. Don't screw up your resume. Yes. You can't Such be resi you know, you can't be can't job be hopping. And I'm like, no, I'm good. And then the other thing is people are scared because like, oh, the grass is not gonna be greener on the other side. And it's like, is you it really green you now? You weren't scared though, because you had grown up with it. Yes. Got it. And I just have a very high So was risk it from tolerance. the get? Like did you like back I to my core question, know. do you think like even at twenty, once even at twenty four when you're like, Oh wait a minute, this might be the industry I yeah. fuck with, <laughs> like I'm into it. Yeah. I'm gonna have my own thing. Definitely, but so I felt like I needed some structure that these businesses were gonna give me, and obviously in hindsight, I was like, no, you should have started this 10 years ago. Right. But it is what it is. It, it is what it is. Yeah, and it gave me a good network. And so when did you do it? Uh, 33. So eight years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. It'll be and? my eight year anniversary on the 10th. And so, you know, what's the biggest things that you're thinking about these days? Like, what do you care Scaling. about? Scaling. Scaling. So what's going on? Um, so when I, I was so burnt out, just emotionally, physically, just when? from when I left um, in 2010. Oh, right from So the I had gone back to school in the middle of this and got my MBA and just was in a, in a culture, this was a big company now, and I loved the people I supported locally, but the people I reported into in another state were just assholes. And just, you know, I remember one day this, one of my bosses, because I had like five in a five-year period, calls me into his office and he starts yelling at me. And I look around and I'm like, 
who the fuck are you talking to? Like my dad doesn't talk to me like that. My husband doesn't talk to me like that. You're not gonna talk to me like that. I'm gonna be in my office and when you can be professional, sure. come see me. And it just became like this really contentious thing and I was traveling a lot, my kids were young and it sucked. Yep. Um, so when I left, I was just like focused on making up my salary and like spending time with my kids. Right. And I feel like I was, how do I, I've been putting How do I balance along. it? Yep. Absolutely. So for the first five years, I was really just like happy to be able to pay my bills and so wasn't really worried. Yeah. Yep. Um, and in the last three, now I'm like, okay, let's let's go. My kids, you know, my youngest is 15, Layla, and Joey's 16, and I'm the big boys and girls now. Yes. And my husband is great, and he's a better parent, so I can let's leave go. them with him. Yep. I've got a big family support system, so yeah, it it works. Um, and you can now double down. I feel like you know I've been, and now I'm ready to do this. And how many employees do you have? Fifteen. Yeah, it's a great time to scale. Yeah. I love it. Okay, let's keep going. So back to transitions, which is what we've been talking about. You're in the midst of a really interesting one. You know, you, I know you, you know, just filling everybody who's listening, you actually worked, right, on a project, right? You were in school. That's how you were. So I was in, I was in Steve's uh, entrepreneurship program Yep. Um, called the Sheets Fellows Program. It's like an entrepreneurial leadership program. Under I've, the... Secondary, uh, a different campus within the Penn State ecosystem, right? Yeah. right? Penn State Altoona. Yep. Yep. And so you worked on it. Oh, so it was his it was, school, got, like no, 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 his it was, framework, it was his, his class, program, yeah, his program. Yeah. And and so you went from that. You 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 told me about the flipping with the apartments and mom and like the video mm -hmm. game stuff. I'm just filling everybody in. Then you are are you done with school and you go home to start rebranding and like kind of marketing and helping out with your dad's thing? Or so I spent about I think it was like five or six months yep. and um, I worked under this lady uh, named Colleen DeVoris. That's right, yeah. I remember. And she um, helped with the Sheets rebranding in the early that's 2000s. Right, that's, right, yeah. that's right, that's right. So I went and I worked for her for yes. about five to six months, like I said. Um, and it got to a point to where, you know, I just want to take a next step, grow, you know, as a person. And you went um, to work for her from a branding, marketing kind of standpoint. Yeah, social. But it was more traditional, and you were supposed to bring some of the social digital aspects. Yes. Good. Yeah. And then you decide six months in, you're like, you know what, I'm going to go do this and execute against my dad's mm -hmm. rebranding of his, of his place. Yes, correct. And you did that for two years. Yeah. And so, back to transitions. You school, you go and work for somebody, then you transition to do it for your family business where I assume you had a lot more autonomy. Mm -hmm. How long have you been into this Hunt and Fish project? Uh, this would be my third week. Right, so even in the first 15, 17, 21 days, what's the biggest transition from doing it in a place where you're like, oh fuck you dad, I'm doing this, <laughs> to oh shit, I've got somebody who's like, isn't my dad, who I can just <laughs> yell at or just take a ton of, like what's the, this is almost the reverse. You've you've got you are doing something super interesting and thoughtful, in my opinion. So I'm fascinated by it. A lot. Everyone's talking about. I want to go do my own thing, and not that it was your own thing, but I'm sure you have a hell of a lot more time. You're now making decision. Wait a minute. I want to go to, and I assume your head maybe bigger leagues, New York City, but not having the autonomy. You're going almost weirdly the reverse. Mm -hmm. What's the first jump in the pool? First three weeks, kind of feeling. Um, Tell I the truth. <laughs> it's it's a little no, different. It's important. Yeah, it's, it's important. It's a little different because I won't let Aton fire you, and, <laughs> and I want to bring value for everybody who's watching and listening. Um, it's different because you know there's a, there's a checks and balances system now, right? So, um, you know, learning to work right when you screwed up before, you can make pretend there wasn't a screw up, right. and just get away no. with it in a family business. Yeah, but with this, you can't do that. You can't. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no, but that's um, true, right? Yeah, yeah, it is true. You know, you can kind of hide behind the curtain when you're kind of. And, and I'll tell it as a kid who was in a family business that had carte blanche. 
I would always yell at my dad back, not about the micro loss, which I had plenty of, it was the macro win. Anytime he'd be like, that, I didn't, why did we spend $4,000 on those coupons? We didn't get anything. I'm like, dad, at the end of the year, you are more than welcome to kick me out of this place, but let's look at it as a whole, okay. not this week in May. And the truth is, and I want to give him a lot of credit, he didn't have a whole lot of that energy. It was more of just the look of like, mm-hmm. you know, I like, you. <laughs> why did we waste money? You know? Um, you would have that in a family business here. You've got a new boss. You've got to like prove yourself, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. And what are you most excited about in the first three weeks? Uh, I think just being immersed in a totally different type of culture. Um, New York City, sure. you know. The speed. The speed, um, being around people who have, you know, a life, like a lifestyle is kind of like more than where I'm from, sure. I guess you would say. Um, you mean the fellow employees and yeah, the, the characters? Just, just being connected spending with. Spending money on dumb shit after yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is the calibration of the New York speed so far? Has it been super fast? Are you addicted to it? Is it like, holy it. shit? I love it. I was always like on the go back home, right? And now it's just like I'm on the go, but I'm just like, I'm in the city, right? right. It's not just like- You're running at the same speed at the, as yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go back around, this is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm gonna take it into a different place real quick and then we'll keep going. I wanna know what you're obsessed with right now. And, and I don't mean in the context of everything we just talked about, like you're pumped about some new Excel formula that's I'm helping not. you scared, I'm <laughs> sure. What are you just excited about that's happening in culture? Whether it's a TV show, whether it's a new product that you use in the bathroom, whether it's you know, some, you know, uh, an experience you had. What's, what I love is the zeitgeist. You know, what I loved, sir, listening to you talk, I'm like, oh, I know why he was successful. If you actually are consumer centric, you will always win. The only reason I get to sit here and people think, I've got one pitch. I always say I'm Mariana Rivera. I got one pitch. I don't care about my feelings. I'm pure humility to the end consumer. I grew up with lemonade stands, baseball card shows, and a liquor store. I've been retail for my whole life. All I know is watching the eyes, watching the reactions, using my intuition to what felt good to the other person. The market is my king, lord, religion, nothing else. So I always love this question because I think, you know, I always think that's what I'm trying to pay attention to. Why are people wearing rips in their jeans again like they were in the 80s? Why are, why are long hair, back, why, haircuts, styles, foods, like systems, all that stuff. I love all that stuff. So that's what I love and that's what I caught when you said I had to listen to the customers and my employees. You're absolutely right. That's where all the answers are. They're not in Bain and McKinsey's fancy decks from Harvard. They're in the trenches. They always will be. But on that same kick, what I, the reason I made that statement was one, I wanted to pay you a compliment because I really loved you saying that. Two, it's about listening. So what are you listening to now or what are you seeing? What are you obsessed by? Let's, let's start with you. What's the most interesting thing going on? Um, that's tough. I think for me, it's just like, uh, not even to be selfish, but just like my life right now because everything in my life has changed drastically in the yeah. past two months. Yeah. So just trying to like get acclimated to like where I used to be and like where I'm at now and just like, being, Are you just enjoying it? Yeah, just in, yeah. It's like I'm just. I wake up every day. I'm happy. Like I'm passionate. Like the action. Yes, one hundred percent. I love it. I am obsessed with. Besides uh, your content, is <laughs> thank you. Uh, a form of intermittent fasting called four three, where you eat four days a week and fast three days a week for thirty six hours. 
Okay, so this is super interesting because I, I don't know what this is, but I'm gonna keep asking you. The reason I apologize for jumping in is I'm actively fasting today. For This is the third week in a row. I used to fast a lot, one day a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple years ago when I really lost my weight, it really worked. The last couple years, the last 18 months, I've been far more focused on flexibility, soft tissue work, sure. a little muscle gain, which has been amazing. Yeah. But I gained enough weight where like just, you know when you, you I don't feel care about it. the weight. Yeah, I just yeah. don't, I wanna feel nice in my clothes. I just wanna yeah. feel great. And so I was like, okay, if I can just get seven to 11 off, real fat, you know, and the, the, the thing that works for me is fasting. But for me, I would fast for a full day, which usually meant I wouldn't eat for about 36 yeah, hours. Include the sleep. But four, three days a week? So, Explain it to me real quick. So I do Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. So, so Sunday you don't eat? So Saturday, night, see, I stop, yeah, 10, 10 p.m. on Saturday. You eat for real? So Saturday I would eat for real. I would right. stop eating at, by at 10, 10 okay. and then Monday, so today, yep. so I fasted yesterday. Today I would break my fast at 10 a.m. Okay. So you have okay, the sleep on both nights yeah. as part of. But Interesting. Yep. Um, and the reason why I did, I was doing the intermittent fasting like that everyone else is doing for a which while, is which is like the 16-8 where you eat like during an eight-hour window. So like 11 to whatever. Uh, but I was. That's, I've like been a, sh- that's like a fake fast. And I feel like you have to go past 20, like you have to go a full 24 hours for it to really matter in well, my opinion. I agree. And eight it's hour easier. Windows, that's just like normal life. <laughs> People That's eat too exactly much. Right. By the way, did you when you were in your career, were you an eater during the day or no? During the day? Yeah. Yeah, but I could run it off. I knew it. And you also had food all around you. It's really no, funny. It's, like you forget to it's eat. So hard. I never I've never I have never until I actually what's really ironic, four years ago when I started trying to lose weight was the first time in my life that I ever ate lunch. That's what I'm my saying. My big thing where I was getting caught was no breakfast, no lunch but I would eat like a machine at dinner and it would always be like 9 p.m. and I would eat like 4,000 calories. You know, like, yeah. but I'm, my body is so, I'm, it's so easy for me to fast if I can get over the dinner hump mm-hmm. because ha- having breakfast and lunch is not natural to me right. because of retail. Yeah, so I think it's the same thing. And How long you been doing it? This is like my third or fourth week. You maybe feel, four, you fourth feel great, week. right? I feel great and I, I don't mind great. the fasting. The other right. thing is with traveling, like it's it's hard you're can't you can't prep blah, blah, blah. so i'm just like no this is so much easier to implement for me because i don't want to be counting my calories and da, da, da. i'm still trying to eat who well got, in who those got days. you on a piece of content so friend? yeah a piece of content um i don't know what but i was watching but there, there's a lady named sumaya kazi who was on the today show or something and they interviewed her about this and boom and she had like a hundred dollar little plan and i downloaded it just to Good for you. have something I love it. to be accountable with. Sir? Yes. What are you obsessed with right now? Well, I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed with watching the next generations mm-hmm. of our business. So when, when I started, we had eight employees. Five of us were family members, yes. and we had this business. Today, we have 19,000 employees. With 18,000 family members? And there's, <laughs> there's 101 descendants of our parents. That's amazing, man. And there's 15 working. So now... I'm kind of the last of the first generation, now we're second and third. And I'm watching this electric car coming, uh, and I'm watching our gas business, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at the future and saying, this gas business is slowly going away. And what are these next generations going to do here? Because they're dealing with it right now in terms of... Do you well, think they have the DNA that your dad and you, you and your brother had where you were willing to put yourself out of business in the short term? I, I, I think we do. You know, that's our vision. 
to, to put sheets as we know it today out of business. Always. That's our vision. But I'm watching the next generations, and, and I'm still there, so I can, I can feel it with them, and I nudge them a little bit, you know. And how do they take the nudge? Do they take it as Yoda, well, as like wise old yeah. Yoda, or do they take it as like, get the fuck out of here, you don't know what you're talking about. I think they take it, I think they tell me one thing. And they and they really, tell you Yoda. And they're really thinking, get the fuck out of here. I think, yeah. I think that's what they're thinking. Who yeah, do you think but, you have the most leverage with of the, of the family members internally, and what's her or his position? Well, I don't know leverage with, but but I, when I, I say I, leverage, I mean there is that wisdom, well, respect, and well, you can see you, she or I can, he. But take I'm starting, you know, I'm starting to feel it with the second and third generation, and there are some that are so damn sharp, it's unbelievable. I knew they were sharp, but do they have that feeling that says, you know, that competitive oh, know. spirit that says we got to make it? And They're, then they have a I level of them, entitlement that you and I didn't grow absolutely. up with, and that's but, not their fault. That's just some the reality. Of, some of it's timing too. Some of them think they want to run away from this gas business. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, you can't run away from it. When we sign this lease for 25 years or whatever it is, you know, we're signing it based on this gas volume and profits. It's not going away tomorrow. And then they say to me, well, I'm saying to me, you know, you've got your head in the sand. I said, no, I don't have my head in the sand. I'm just trying to make sure we get the timing right here, you know, of, of transitioning without gas. So I, you just said something really, really important that I'm gonna harp on for everybody listening who a lot of you are trying to figure me out and I keep saying watch what I do, not what I say. And more importantly, I do break this down but for some reason people don't hear it. I always talk about, I don't, a lot of people wanna give me credit for predicting the future and I'm always like, I'm not Nostradamus, I don't predict, I'm just good at what's already happened. You're talking about a very important thing that you and I clearly share and I, I had a funny feeling just on the narrative that we would have some similarities but as I'm listening it's even maybe even further than I thought. I'm a humongous believer in not overly respecting the past but not being too ideological about the future. And I almost see everybody caught in one of the two and I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh shit, he's not. He's more like me, which is he's not head in the sand, loved what got him here. I've just been listening to your words. But in my business, everyone's like, Gary, uh, VR, AR, even voice that I'm very passionate about with Alexa, if you noticed, watch what I do, not what I say, I established it's coming, but I've been unbelievably quiet for the last six months, mm -hmm. mainly because the progress is slow and I'm not excited about it. I couldn't agree more. You have people come in, they wanna make their, and not, not, this is not what you're saying, but for everybody listening, I'm watching a lot of people come into businesses, whether kids or whether executives, and they wanna make their mark. And the way they think they can make their mark is by betting on the future and then looking right. The problem is, sometimes it takes longer than you think. The problem is, sometimes you give up something that's valuable. Yes, do I think electronic cars? Sure, I also think self-driving cars are gonna be a very important right. variable because then you can make B2B deals, not with individuals. If there's only four companies that control all the cars, well then the, they don't need the middleman of the gas station. It could be macro deals with Exxon or, you know, or Shell or whoever. Nonetheless, we all know those things are coming, but I think what your experience and my experience, look, in 1998, in 1998 when I took over operations for my dad's business, two years after I launched winelibrary.com e-commerce, I thought by the year 2000, everybody's gonna be buying wine from me on the internet and I've gotta go crazy. Now, it worked out for me because I was right about the macro. So betting the farm with frantic pace on the internet was good. But if I was a VC or had a big company, not a small company that didn't have money, I would have definitely over-invested. We just didn't have any money. So I just invested what, you know, we yeah. didn't have a credit line, we weren't funded, we weren't a big company. So. 
If I was running VaynerMedia as a 22 year old, I would have wasted a lot of money. I just didn't have, the luxury of not having is very powerful. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Like, plenty of cars are gonna go into gas stations in four years. Lots of them. Absolutely. It's just, there's nothing that's happened yet that would make me think that's not the case. No, I mean, if I did, I wouldn't be signing 20, 25 year leases because it's Yeah, look, it's 20, 25 years, like who knows, right? Like that's, no. that's a ways, but to your point, I agree. start ripping out gas stations yes. would be insanity. Yep. It might be, a, you, I, I might, with you, if we were like the two people, I'd be like, hey, do we want to completely build a model 25 years from today on gas stations? That's an interesting debate. Correct. Ripping out gas stations would be insanity. And I think you have to look back at history as well. The first 20 years we spent without gasoline. We didn't have gasoline. Then all of a sudden you build this dependency on gasoline. Well, of course. But, you know, going forward, you know, we don't have to be a gas station. We have to look at our core competencies. You yes. know, we can operate in six states. We know how, obviously, to, to create a culture and an atmosphere where people want to thrive. And, and you have to look at the core competencies and say, what else can we do? You know, we can run restaurants, we can run car wash, we can run, you know, what are the core competencies? Think outside of the convenience store business. What else can we run? Or in the same way that the biggest transition the company ever really made was, you know, you didn't go into full detail, but there was a transition at some point of, of supplying dairy in one form and then deciding to be the retailer of it, right? Exactly. Look, I mean, I think you know. I would argue that your company has permission to be the transportation infrastructure in some shape or form. Your company absolutely could have been the people that invented the electronic scooters that we see in sure. California. You could, yeah, you could. I mean, I you you absolutely could. And I think Nintendo started as a playing card company. The biggest movies in Hollywood are made from something that started off as a comic book company superhero movies, right? So I do think when you take, to your point, the energy, it's about finding new containers and merchandising them. Right. And you know, we go outside, like we, we spent uh, three days in Seattle last month. We got to visit Amazon. We got to visit, you know, one of the fulfillment stores that don't have any cash. I oh. get it. Yeah we, yeah, we went into the store. Was, yeah. They're going to open 3,000 of them in, yeah. in the next three years. Yeah. You know, uh, who wants to go into a store where you have to waste four minutes for a cashier? No. When you could just grab and go. Exactly. Then we get to meet with the the, uh, innovation officer at Starbucks who has 60 people working with her. Uh, And so we're out there just kind of looking. And Carnegie Mellon we spent, you know, three days with last month. We're just constantly out there looking. But I see that in the next generation too, which I'm happy with, you know. And so where are you spending your physical time? Are you still... Well, I, I, I've got the Sheets Fellows, so yep. I teach uh, uh, 12 times a, a semester. I, I mentor uh, some of the students. Um, I, I got the family council we just met the other day. You know, we studied businesses that failed as well as those family businesses that survived. And one of the biggest reasons they fail is that the family ceases to get along. That's right. So we've got 101 family members, 15 work. As you go in time, the bigger percentage doesn't work but own stock and they want to sell out. I want cash. And then you got this inner group saying that works there, I want to hold on. And that's the constant battle. So as the Sheets uh, family council and the, the head of it, I'm trying to keep the family together. So we do a retreat, we, we get together Thanksgiving, get together Christmas, and we're together all the time. And we're, I'm trying to hold us together because for that family, we want to be a privately held family business. That's why Let we Let me ask you a question. Book. You went through this important transition of five years 
right? From sure. going from an operator to a leader, right? That's correct. Um, I have to assume, like it's very, I don't know anything, and I already know that you're a disproportionate glue to this ambition. I assume you at this point are giving a lot of thought to who becomes the glue when you decide not to be the glue. Is that where you're spending a lot of time thinking too? Well, some of it. I mean, we, And can we, 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 multiple people be the glue? Because I've been thinking a lot about that too. Well, you know, when, when my brother was CEO, we, we had a rule, we, we actually established that one person, one family member, would be the last one to say yes. One decision maker. No he passed it to me. Then he passed it to, I passed I believe it in that. to my nephew. But the next one came along and said, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. So now we have three. It's me, it's, it's my two nephews, there's three of us. Interesting. So when I phase out, I phase out, you know, in, in two years off of kind of the family council, the other two have to agree. We have to agree on who this third, third person Interesting. is. Interesting, yeah. very cool. So it was one, 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 and then the next one said, I, I'm not comfortable with one making all this decision. So there's three. So now we'll decide which one's the next. What else is going on in your world? What, what else do you want? entrepreneurs, executives, other people to know, think, or, or what questions you have, or, or what do we want to jam on? Um, so I'm focused, the the scaling part on really, we have been pivoting from like a pure consulting company to where we supported a bunch of technology companies privately. We're trying to get into the government business as well as the federal government, uh, for, you know, providing IT services. And so now we're building out this IT plus model, which, I haven't fine we haven't finalized yet but basically you know building on what you guys were just talking about this whole digital transformation that every company has to be uh really um thinking about how do you do business and how are you using technology to get that business done uh-huh. oh my god it's and like, it's like, i always tell people it's like electricity and they're like, failing when electricity first came around there was businesses, yep. like, and like, and if you were not a business that's decided electricity was a good idea, you probably lost over time. Yep. That was obvious, because it was as extreme as like dark and the sun went down and your business had to close to having, right? right? But I don't think people understand how being fully digital, right. like in your core, is a requirement. And an enabler of growth, right? They're still looking at it like IT is the cost center. <laughs> That's the support mechanism. Defense versus offense. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So we're, you know, we've built a small development factory where people can outsource their development needs. So if they have, you know, constraints on the, the IT p- folks in-house. Can I ask you a left field question? Yes. It's never, um, you know, we've talked about this privately and I think it can bring value to people. How much are you thinking about, like being a successful entrepreneur is an incredible accomplishment. I, I you know, I think, I think, People just think that you slap it on your body. You know, you, you guys know how my spiel. I'm very worried that people think it's easy. No. And the internet has made it easier, no question. Yeah. The cogs are so different, cost of goods. Yep. Like it doesn't cost a million bucks to hit a, build a fucking store. Right. Like you needed money for the bricks and the wood and whatever the first, so you know, you know, like it still needed money. There wasn't like, I'm gonna be on Instagram all day for a, a year and that's gonna give me leverage and I can actually, on spec, print these t-shirts, wallet, before I get the, I'm gonna say I have the t-shirts, but I don't, I'm gonna take their money, then I'm gonna, like, you can do things now, I mean, I would have never graduated high school. (laughs) Um, But, you know, at the same token that entrepreneurship's on this pedestal, what I am super passionate about is there's, is what the internet has done is 
we can now see entrepreneurs in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. And you know how passionate I am about that. Yes. You are a successful female minority entrepreneur. You're also smart. So I wanna ask you this question selfishly because I'm curious what's going through your mind. Are you being affected by knowing that you sit in a very strong leverage point now as an individual? And, and are you affected by you know, minority women DMing you or emailing you if they, can, if they find out about you? Like, how much are you thinking about like, wow, this is an interesting era for what I'm doing. I've, a, I've gone through the chapter of now doing it successfully for a long enough period of time that even the toughest filters will be like, no, no, you are one. Yeah. Are, are you thinking about that? And, and then do you get into the world of like, wait a minute, all these years where it was potentially, or not potentially, where it was a disadvantage, could I be going into an era where it's an advantage? How do I take advantage of that? Right. Like, how are you thinking about this moment in time that is clearly must be be interesting to see through, you know, I'm seeing it through my eyes, which are different than yours. Right. What do you think about all that? So I def, I think throughout my life, I've always been like you, I think like all most entrepreneurs uh, in this kind of advisory position with my family, with my friends, with colleagues. And so I've done a lot of counseling, a lot of free shit for mm-hmm. people for years, just because I could, because I feel like if I know something, I'm not gonna not, tell you because I'm supposed to charge you for it. Um, I think right now, no, my head is like, I'm 100% down focused on like building building this company. Good for you. And whatever comes along the way, I'm open to, but I'm not, I've never been focused on like what I look like or who I am. I'm just like, no, I'm gonna fucking get it done. But what about speaking and books and being on CNBC? Like those are the things that are gonna start populating through your mind or brought to you without you. I'm, yeah. I'm bringing it to you right now. Yeah, I would, I would be open to it. Um, it's not my focus right now, but yep. I would, I would totally be. And you're aware to it. that that's in the air ish. Yes. Cool. What do you what do you think? How are you thinking about this? Without you know saying my master plan is to work there for a year and then bounce with AI getting mad. Like, <laughs> don't worry, I'll protect you. Like, how are you thinking about this chapter? Like, let me go prove it in the big leagues and then decide what I feel like. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much my plan. Um, you know, I spent you know the past two years really focused on proof of concept. Right? Can I actually do something and make it successful? Not that that my dad's restaurant wasn't successful, oh, totally, but yeah. like, you know, build it up. Cause we, you know, we increased sales by 40% in the past two years. Um, he's on track to make a million this year, um, which he's never, he's never hit. So yeah, it's a special number when you hit it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 100%. you know, that's one of his goals that he's always wanted to do and to achieve. So like, so now you want to see, him, can I do that again in a different way? Yeah. Yeah. For somebody else. Um, and then what do you th- intuitively, like if you had a guess, mm-hmm. what then happens? Do you build an agency around that skill set, or do you actually build a restaurant hospitality business with that being your secret sauce? Do you know? See, yeah, I'm. See, I'm torn. And as both. you should be, I'm torn because Those are like too smart. I grew up. To debate. I grew up in the industry. I know it. You know, um, second nature to me. But Joe, oh, by the way, I'm sure both of us will say, and even though what you I mean, you did this from such a young age, such a big advantage that people run away from. Like when you know something that cold, yeah, it's a competitive advantage. Yeah. Um, so like, but also like I know things from a branding marketing perspective that can help, right? Sure. Other businesses, not just only restaurants or bars. I got it. So just trying to figure out where I want to take it. Um, right now I got a group of creatives, um, 
so we have this like little group and we do like side projects right now yeah that's right i remember you telling me over dinner you've got different creative directors or a copywriter or designer that you've picked up along the way and you Mm -hmm. got a little kind of like freelance crew right Mm -hmm. yeah so just like figuring out that and then like kind of like being the leader of the crew and while you're holding down a job that gives you maybe less flexibility yeah um so just learning on the fly for real um but i think for me right now uh just solely focused on you know, improve helping Aton improve everything he has going on. What uh, what parting shots or questions do we have as we wrap up here, sir? Oh, I don't know about parting shots. It hit me though that 1969 when I come out of college, the first year we did a million, and then 1999 we did a billion, and then this year we're over seven billion. You know, you look back. Wait a minute. Uh, By the way, just for everybody else, a million in 1969 was like seven billion. Right. <laughs> no, it's really, it's really, and privately held. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's and just we, we, we've laid it out to be a privately held family business. As, as my brothers and I say, we, we're the last of the first generation. Educate the kids at home. Yep. We're talking about top line revenue numbers. Right. right. Yes, top line. So, right. you know, for example, VaynerMedia this year and the VaynerX family, because I own some publishing house, I'm super proud that we'll be close to 200 million. Correct. Yet, we made no money. And I'm not, and I didn't lose money. I don't have VCs. I don't have credit. I'm doing it because I'm reinvesting. Absolutely. Talk to everybody at home. You know, we heard the 1 million, the billion, the 7 billion. For, for as much as you can remember, and I have a funny feeling you're going to remember, were you guys the kind of operators and family that wanted to always have profit? Like in the lexicon of like, as long as my salary's paid and we can eat, put every dollar back yeah. into business because we can open another store. When did the transition? Because there's no way you got to this if you didn't uh, in the early days invest everything back. Yeah. See, this is what I tell the students. I I, I sat on a bank board and, and on the loan loan committee, and we learned to identify the the people who who were running a lifestyle business. They ran a lifestyle business. They were not putting it in. My brother did not increase his lifestyle in those early days. Even when we hit that million, we were pushing We were pushing vendors to put in all the shelving for free, to put in the equipment for free. We Maximize were pushing margin. everybody. Yep. And we were not buying buildings or renting them because our core competency was running these stores, did not you, in real did estate. You, did you ever get into real estate? Not, not, in not a big heavy way. in the scale no, no. compared to the scale that you are. No, you guys understood your core competency. Yeah, we make money because we know the damn business. Look, we look, don't know in real estate, Mister. I'll tell you, I would argue that not pushing my dad. To, my dad loved the thought of real estate. Yep, and we spent way too much money building this superstore in New right. Jersey. That I intuitively want, but I wasn't strong enough. So I don't want to. I don't want to. Like I should have pushed harder to say, Dad. We're awesome at running wine and liquor stores. Forget about the ideology of owning, being your own landlord. Yes. All that money that we are about to tie up, I could open up seven goddamn stores and dominate it. Exactly. That's and you what understood we did. it. Yeah, that's what we did. And the bank wouldn't give us money. You talk about not making money. We right. didn't make money. There's no money. VCs like me running around running dumb checks. No. Money was tough. Money was so, so ta- hard. We, ta- pushed, we pushed everybody so, from it. So, Back to my question: Were the first 10, 15 years unbelievably dollars back into the system, and was was there a transition it the big, where it became well, more it, about maybe kicking a little bit more profit to yeah, to appreciate well, some of the fruits of the labor? The bank wanted us to open one store a year. We were hungry. We wanted stores. <laughs> so in nineteen, I mean, I just kept asking, "How do I get money?" In nineteen seventy-two, I found out that they said, "Pay your suppliers slower." 
you know, pay them in 45 days. We did. We went from seven to 14 stores in one year. We almost didn't make it. I mean, we were bending. Uh, we were on, on bended knees for the bank. You know, unfortunately, the banker gave me money. He gave us money. We, we'd have been in trouble. But we went from seven to 14, really taught us a, a lesson. We almost did not make it through the To year. number 15. But I always claim I got my, my master's and my doctorate that year, what we learned. And, I get and, it. But we didn't have a lot of money. I get it. It's later on when we start when you it. start spending some money. I get it. Final thoughts? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, no, this is great. I appreciate it. What I know you consume the content. Anything lately that's caught your eye or um, I always love getting that perspective. So, Listen to yeah, the I was consumer. watching I was watching a bunch of it last night in my room. Um, <laughs> I you know, I think that something you guys were talking about here that hit you? Yeah, it's just like the leadership aspect. Most companies' leadership sucks because they're because they're driven by money. They're or or building their fiefdom. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, there's a difference between leadership. Like him and I and you have the luxury right now of being the last line of defense. Right. So there's a difference between leadership and leaders. Me, I am so different than my nine C-suite executives. You couldn't even compare us. You know, not half of them, but like I watched them try to build up moats to protect themselves. Right. And I have empathy for that. It gets scary when you're a top five, top 10 employee. You make a lot of money. Right. Especially if you have me as a boss. And I already have a funny feeling you. If you actually like your CEO and he's like, you're doing well and you like it, well, now you're even double scared to lose that job because you're like, yeah, I could probably make that money somewhere else, but not as happily. So I've watched people around me even be more aggressive to protect themselves because they're like, oh shit, this is the golden goose. This is money and nice. Like, right. fuck, I don't want to lose this. Right. But I have empathy for that. And to your point, leadership a lot of times is different than the final leader. Yeah. And they often are flawed because their job is to keep everybody underneath them to not take their spot. Right, and I think most, you know, most cultures just don't do a good job of figuring out how to navigate that. And I, my, so my husband's a, an educator, is a teacher and a principal, and he, I always envied him because to him it was all about the kids. Is it good for the kids? If it's not good for the kids, then fuck you, we're not doing it. And I feel like in you business, it's, actually there is that. It's there is that, customer. and you've talked about it a lot. But I'm saying it's just not, not what most people do. No, it's but, not. But no question, I'm sure of it. Oh, even li- that's how they want. Hearing what he, yeah. the customer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The customer doesn't give a shit that you make all your money on cows or oil. Right. They're a the customer. Right. They're gonna live their lives. And if you don't kill yourself to win for them, it's game over. Right. I don't give a crap when social media disappears. Could care less. Can't wait. So that's been on your mind. Yes. Cool. Final thoughts, brother? Um uh, just first, like thank you every for everything you've done for me, you know. Um, from being in school to here and coming here and having this conversation just Thank you. Like, I really do appreciate you. Um, and then two, I got a piece of art for you back here. Oh, wow, that looks really nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, we did Who made little, that? We did a little, my buddy Graft on me. Super nice. Um, and then we did a little video to that, too. It's on my Instagram. Yes. If you want to check that out. I do. My man's Kenny video. <laughs> he did the video work. More than happy to um, it's amazing. Yeah, so we did something yeah, just super nice. based off of your clouds and dirt yeah, concept. I love it. Um, I can't wait yeah. to look at it. All right, I will. Everybody listening at home, I hope you got value out of this. If you're super bright, I think you could make the connection points that happened here. I thought it was super rad. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate you three. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Keep watching.
Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.